You'll never guess it went off the table. <laughs> okay, we uh, we really need to do something about this. Uh, you're you're getting a dice tray this year. Yeah, yeah, I have to just make one. Two. Two. Okay, Chris. The design challenge we will be taking upon ourselves today is make the most dangerous yet survivable ten foot by ten foot by ten foot room. <laughs> so specific. So I don't see this credited to a particular former guest, so it's possible that this is a topic that we came up with in a drug-fueled craze uh, <laughs> at some point. So yes. we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. Andy, we're like 90-some episodes in, and I think I like finally have a handle on our intro, and now I'm starting to feel like maybe we should um, change it up. <laughs> yeah, well, you you uh, spun that out flawlessly, so I'm impressed. Yeah. The, the one time I tried doing the intro, it took like seven takes. So Maybe for episode 100, we, we will change it up. Uh, so Andy, uh, we are going to have a little bit of a shorter episode again this week. Um, we're still sort of in the midst of, of, uh, vacation travel and then also getting back from vacation travel. Yep. Um, but I just got back from a big trip. So I had a couple things that I wanted to talk about, um, regarding that. Um, so do you mind if we start, start with that before we dive into the topic? Yeah. I've got some sort of, you know, military grade aircraft, uh, hovering over the house. So uh, okay. uh, I think it's yeah. going away. Okay, well, yeah, well, let me know if they're going to start a raid on your house. Yeah, well, I <laughs> guess can... if I go abruptly silent, you can uh, mm-hmm. just hang yeah. up and uh, publish the podcast and then... Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's time for your comeuppance. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, so we just got back from about a week up on Beaver Island. So this is a island off the... Well, I mean, it's in Michigan, but, you know, it's, it's within Lake Michigan. Uh, most people know Mackinac Island, but Beaver Island is sort of in that same area, but just a little bit further north. Yeah, so it was it was a really fun trip, although super exhausting because we brought a toddler along with us. Um, because you can't leave toddlers at home when you go on vacation. Um, but yeah, it was it was super good. Um, so uh, throughout the trip, of course, I was always thinking about like running games and stuff. Um, our friend John calls this GM brain, where you like you can't just like enjoy a moment for what it is. You're, you're just constantly thinking about like. What's the angle for gaming on this? For sure, yeah. Yeah, so uh, so the trip had like a couple components that I thought were like were very uh, gameable or at least like made me start to rethink um, maybe how I might do something in the game. So we drove up and then took a ferry over to the island. So the ferry ride was about like two hours long. And this is the longest I've been on a boat in a while. Maybe ever actually, you know, two hours on a boat. Um, but it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun doing that, right? You know, so like the kids, the kids enjoyed it and stuff. But like... Uh, my my brain immediately went to like all the different different ways you could you know you could do like a murder mystery and stuff on the boat. Um, I should back up like one step. So the the fun part about this, and you know, I think we were chatting about it a little bit too, is that uh, there was a, a music festival going on on the island while we were up there. Okay. So the boat was filled with like normal ferry passengers, you know, so people who had their vacation homes up on the ferry, people who were visiting like us and, and that sorts of like, I guess like, yeah, normal, <laughs> normal Beaver Island visitors. Um, but then there was also just this contingent of people who were like there for the music festival who were planning on camping out just like in the island, wherever they could find a spot, you know, and then also some of the actual musicians and stuff too, too, were on the boat, you know, so you'd like, you'd pass some guy on like a Grateful Dead t-shirt talking to someone in a fish t-shirt. And then right. you'd also pass like a very rich retiree 
yeah. <laughs> you know, who is going back from the mainland to the to their um, you know, well appointed vacation home uh, <laughs> on the island. But yeah, so it made for like a fun, a fun mix of people. You know, so again, like GM Brain was telling me, like, yes, this is like a good thing to remember if you were putting NPCs together. Like they don't all have to be the same, I don't know, like socioeconomic class, right? Even if you're within the same the same space. Yeah, so uh, that was really fun. I had the same thought. That makes me think that, you know, the next time you're on a boat or a coach or something like that in a game, you know, mm-hmm. maybe put some people in there that are super, super out of place seeming and just see what the PCs do with it. Yeah, of course, like the, the music festival goers were like the, the friendly people on the yeah. boat, right? <laughs> you know, so I think like, yeah, so that was that was one thing I was thinking about. And then just like, you know, uh, when you're on a boat for a little bit, like it can seem like an expansive place, but the longer you're on a boat, the smaller it feels, hmm. right? Like there's only so much um, space, you know, in so many different places you can go hang out, you know, especially with a kid. Yeah, before you're like, okay, well, I know the entirety of this this location. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to say that traveling to an island with a music festival is the setup for, I don't know, maybe 40% of zombie and horror movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously yeah. something bad was going to happen to you on your vacation, right? Yes. Yeah. It's like you have your pick of weaponry to fight the zombies there. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, do you use a guitar or, right. you know, a bass guitar? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then, so like once we got to the, the island proper, so I guess the, the other big part of this trip, right? Like again, so I mentioned we were traveling with a toddler is, um, you know, so the toddler was not sleeping well because it's, you know, a, a trip. <laughs> and then it's also, you know, just like, yeah, he's he's been going through a sleep regression anyway. So I've been thinking a lot about, like, exhaustion mechanics and, like, how, how exhaustion affects decision-making as well. You know, it's like D&D has, has an exhaustion mechanic that I'm not super well aware of. I think, like, you know, over time, if you're not planning for rations and stuff you take take levels of exhaustion and if you get to a certain certain level it's like it's it's very bad <laughs> very bad for the party and stuff um yeah so my my brain is just like totally fogged right now right like after a week of of little to no sleep <laughs> yeah yeah so i feel like i have a couple points of exhaustion right now but you know it's something that that's one of those things like encumbrance that i think when i'm looking at rule sets i'm like i'm not going to use that right like who's who's going to really track that sort of stuff but again, like it would have an actual like pretty major effect, I think, on an adventuring party. You yeah, know, like the just the fact that you can't like you're you're not getting good rests and stuff like that. It's going to affect your decision making, make everything a little bit harder harder for you as well. Yeah, you know that makes me think of a conversation I might have had it with you and some former guests, or maybe it just lives in my brain. But uh, lots of RPGs, you know, have an exhaustion mechanic and mechanics for other kind of bad things that can happen to you or disabilities that can be inflicted on you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you talk to people that have experienced those, those experiences or disabilities, you realize that the, the game mechanic doesn't really match the actual, the actual main effect of it. So, mm-hmm. so I think you're right that one of the main things that you do when you become exhausted or, or just emotionally and physically overwhelmed is you start making bad decisions. You know, you just mm-hmm. lose um, lose ability to make good decisions. So instead of like, oh, well, they have minus one to all attack rolls until they get a full rest or something like that. You know, I sometimes wonder, it would be like, I don't know, every, every third thing you do, you know, you make a mistake or you actually do something different, or, you know. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I I have, um, I always check, I, I only have one working eye, so I always 
check in every game book I have that has some sort of a disadvantage. There's almost always like a one one eye disadvantage in mm-hmm. in games that have kind of advantage disadvantage systems. And I'm amazed. It, it's obvious that the people that wrote these didn't like close their one of their eyes and try to evaluate what would actually <laughs> happen because it's usually something yeah. like oh they take a penalty to ranged attacks or something but like yeah no that's not that's i, I can shoot a gun as well as anyone else yeah. but you know the problem is like you know flanking me is like twice as easy and <laughs> you know uh things that really require re- gauging distance and stuff are tough but these kind of oversimplified rpg rules sometimes i think uh, they come from people that aren't really talking to uh, people who have actually experienced these things does that make sense i just went on a big monologue yeah no no that makes total sense yeah i mean, even think about like you know the the shooting or like ranged weaponry stuff is a really funny one because i mean like how many i think like if you're if you're trying to shoot like a bow and arrow or something like you're supposed to close one eye right like you're right, supposed yeah. to try to like <laughs> you know stuff like that where it's like well what, yeah why would that yeah, I mean, like, and going back to the exhaustion thing, like, I mean, you're right on. Like, I mean, the the stuff that it actually affects would be all of your social roles, right? It's not oh, so yeah, much totally. the, like, you know, because, I mean, even when you're tired, you can sort of push through. You can still do, like, a lot of the same physical physical activities as, as you normally would. But, like, yeah, if someone asks you a simple question, you're just like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm tired. I, I'm going to give you whatever answer will get me back to bed the fastest is sort of like what, what yeah. ends up happening. Well, I mean this, I mean this without any irony whatsoever. I would be super interested, especially in this age we have in the hobby where people are being really thoughtful and intentional about including disabilities and challenges and things like that in a realistic way in games. I would love to see a game that could boast yeah we have kind of a quote disadvantage system and we have talked to a person that experiences this and we've gotten mm. and we are actually trying to replicate the at the real experience of having this not just some dude sitting there and thinking like oh what would it be like to have only one arm oh probably mm. you have to take a minus one on attack rolls so. yeah <laughs> yes yeah I've spent a grand total of five minutes thinking about it and so now i have the right answer <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, okay, so then the last the last thing that I wanted to, to bring up about the island, and this is this is a much more more fun one. Um, so there was a a surprising number of like harmless snakes on this island, Ooh. especially where we were staying at. It was a very rocky shoreline, so we went out there the first night, and I mean, scared probably like twenty snakes or so, like in this you know like in the backyard, and then down to the shoreline and stuff. You know, so they're like little snakes, like garter snakes, like a couple like water-based snakes. I don't know my snakes. I'm not a herpetologist, but it was weird, right? Because like I live at least in a part of Michigan where like we don't really have as many snakes around. Yeah. But like these were as common, I guess, as you'd say, like squirrels, right? Like, you know, so like there was one one time I walked by uh, like a little tree, like a bush, um, and there was just a snake sort of curled up like at the top top of the tree. You know, it's just like, you know, that's just sort of you know where they are yeah you would see them see them sort of everywhere um and then they would also they would go into the water to like hunt i guess whatever they whatever they eat probably bugs bugs and stuff like that i don't think they were eating eating fish or anything but they would you know they would slither into the water and then they'd kind of just stick stick their head up so you just see these like little snake heads sticking up in the water and like the waves would go past and they would sort of like rise up a little bit to go above the wave and, and down yeah, but it was, I mean, I haven't really observed snakes before, but like it, it's definitely going to play into the next time I have some sort of, you know, reptilian uh, type creature in a game and stuff. It's going to, I'm going to be drawing on those, on those specific things. Cause yeah, just like stuff you just don't think about. And then 
we found a nest at one point, <laughs> you know, and they just like all kind of like curl up together in this like big mass of writhing snake and stuff, right? To hang out and, <laughs> and go to sleep and stuff, yeah. right? And that's, that's very scary to me. Like, I don't love snakes. And I mean, these are all very small ones, but you can imagine taking that and expanding it to like, you know, human sized snakes that are just <laughs> doing the exact same activities. And you're like, okay, that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, you know, someone listening to the last episode in this episode is going to be like, okay, Andy and Chris went outside into nature for like the first <laughs> time in their lives, apparently. But yes. yeah, I do have to yeah. say between last time's discussion and this one, I do feel kind of energized about uh, portraying the outdoors a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And by yeah. better, I mean just with a little bit more depth than you usually do. Mm -hmm. uh, the other day I was hanging out with a colleague who's a birder, a bird watcher, mm -hmm. and they had us be quiet for a minute and just listen to the number of birds um, out there. And they had an app that like listens for birdsong and identifies. And just yeah. sitting in like a suburban setting, there's like 12 different bird songs. You know, all of that just makes me think the next time the PCs are trudging their way through some wilderness, I'm going to think about those, you know. What are the kind of incidental creatures they can spot, like the snakes, the prairie dogs? What are the yeah. sounds of what are the sounds that they hear when it's quiet? You know, I don't know. I mean, we talk a lot about Lord of the Rings, I think, um, on this this podcast. Um, and I think we've both called out how we, we really enjoy the travel sequences in that yep. more than we, we did when we were younger. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think it's, it's all those little details that, yeah, again, like, yeah, any Chris go out in nature and experience it for the first time. <laughs> it's, but it's like, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I think a lot of that gets reduced if you're not thinking about it to like, and you're walking through the woods and you hear like a bird off in the distance or something yeah. rather than the reality of it. Like you're walking through the woods and it's just like, it's teeming with sounds, Yeah, you know, all around you, you see a snake slither past you on the, <laughs> on the path. And there's, yeah, four different bird songs going and like, it's hot and it's, you know, like the, there's rocks on the trail, like all these like little details that I think you, you lied or you just sort of pass over when you're describing stuff, but really give a sense of, um, a sense of place to the, to the players as well. If you can describe it a bit. Yeah. And if you've given much thought to sort of the general ecology of your setting, it'd be interesting mm -hmm. to hint at answers to questions like, you know, when the PCs walk through this section of the woods, not only what animals and wildlife are around them, but what are they doing? You know, is it, is this the time when they're out looking for food or is mm -hmm. this the time when they're looking for shelter or whatever else it is that animals do? That's really the extent of the things I can think of the animals do, but, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And suddenly the forest goes quiet and you hear a large slithering sound off in the distance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, we should, uh, we should talk about our topic a little bit just cause uh, as we mentioned up top, we have a little bit of a shorter time. Yep. Um, so Andy, yeah. Why don't you, can you restate what the, what the topic is that we rolled and maybe let's start setting some parameters around it. Yeah, this one's a pretty specific one. So uh, make the most dangerous yet survivable 10 foot by 10 foot by 10 foot room. Mm -hmm. yes. And so what, you know, springs to mind, you know, the 10 foot measurements obviously mm -hmm. call to mind a, you know, D&D &D dungeon room, which often mm -hmm. come in uh, 10 foot uh, increments. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I suppose we could also spin this as, you know, some sort of a small arena or a very yeah. small arena, I guess, or, a, you know, some sort of a challenge room. My mind is going towards the the movie Cube. Do you remember that? Yes, the, I do yeah. remember that. Yeah. That was a series of like, yeah, 10 by 10 by 10 rooms. I mean, I think they were a little bit bigger than that. But 
I think, well, I mean, I liked a lot about that movie. Um, it's like a, I mean, a nineties horror movie, maybe eighties. I'm not sure. Yeah, that was, exactly I think that was nineties, late, late nineties. Yeah. yeah. Late nineties. Uh, yeah. Super good movie. If you like, like kind of psychological horror, because it's, it was all these rooms sort of connected, all these cubes shaped rooms connected inside of a giant cube. Right. So like you, I don't know, there was probably like 60 some, some rooms or a hundred some rooms that made up this big, big cube. Right. So then, uh, if you can imagine, right, as soon as you got into the center of this place a little bit, then every cube had <laughs> each one of these rooms had, um, what it would be, you know, six exits. Right. So you just imagine a D six and there's a, a door up top at bottom in front of you back, like you're right, all, all the different directions. Um, so I sort of like that, that idea. Um, and then even cube itself, I think each room had a little bit of a gimmick, you know, that, that was sort of this, this thing, like, you know, one of them didn't have air, you know, I'm sure one of them was filled with fire, <laughs> that sort of stuff. So how do you make a, a room that's really dangerous, but survivable? I mean, so mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways to make a room really dangerous. It cannot have mm -hmm. air in it. Like you said, it can yeah. be, the floor can be lava. How do we make something that's dangerous and survivable? Yeah. I think the survivable to me implies that there's either, there's a clever answer to get out or maybe a, a few clever, clever answers to, to get across the room or, you know, through it. But there's also a lot of ways for it to go, <laughs> go poorly yeah. for you. If you're not, if you're not thinking clearly about it. So it's less like, I think it's less like, oh, you enter and there's a hundred kobolds in there that you have to defeat before you can get across and more, more yeah. along the lines of like, there's a puzzle of some sort, maybe, um, where the, the incorrect answer, um, has, has a, a great consequence. So we have talked about traps in recent episodes mm -hmm. and I was thinking, you know, could we design a room that you could plop in a dungeon? That's not like a devious trap. So it, like a wizard didn't set this up to be dangerous, but what would make it dangerous and exciting without being an intentional trap? I like that. Can you just, um, can you kind of explain that a little bit more? I think I like the direction you're heading. What if it's a, a, a relatively natural room about 10 foot by 10 foot and mm -hmm. getting out of it is risky somehow. So I don't know. Uh, there is an opening. There's a narrow crawl space on the far wall mm -hmm. and widening it enough to fit through causes you know the ceiling to start to collapse or something oh that's interesting yeah like the the exit sort of implies destruction of the room as you're leaving it i sort of like you know forcing the players to deal with whatever makes it dangerous rather than just running through the room uh, as mm -hmm. quickly as they can and i'm trying to think of things that aren't just a matter of are you high level enough that you have a spell or magic item that negates this danger for you mm -hmm. yeah maybe let's let's set that aside because right like i mean i think we could kind of just keep inventing different spells that could get you out of a trap so like yeah. let's maybe kind of ground it a little bit and like i don't know more towards realistic like more towards the real world so i guess i'm thinking about blades in the dark right like that style of character right like where you're you're good at some stuff but you don't necessarily have spells yeah or <laughs> spells uh, you know disposal. indiana jones tomb raider yeah. type stuff you're yeah. you're competent you're an action hero but you don't have a spell that protects you from lava mm -hmm. okay, yeah let's do that um Okay, cool. I'm thinking like maybe maybe for fun, um, you enter the room, um, you enter the room from like a hole in the ceiling, mm -hmm. right? So like maybe you you have to make the decision to drop down into it. Ooh, or I do like, like that yeah, a lot. Yes, yeah, or to find a way to lower yourself lower yourself into it. 
So maybe it's like a, a direct drop into the room and there isn't anything to break it, break your fall or that maybe there is, there is something that breaks your fall. Yeah. I say like maybe there's nothing or like maybe there's an inch of water or something like that or like six inches of water. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's not possible or extremely difficult to get back out the way you came. You must deal with the room's danger long enough to get out of the room by a different way thinking uh i think we've talked about these this on, on the podcast too but like the the videos of people that like go into caves or abandoned bunkers yeah yeah and stuff uh like yeah youtube videos and stuff like i'm wondering if maybe the entrance is one of those things where you have to squeeze you have to squeeze through a narrow opening you know from up above and like it's it's tight enough that you can't really bring anything with you. Mm, yeah. <laughs> really can't really bring your backpack with you or you have to throw it in, in first or something like that. Um, yes, yeah, so you have to squeeze through and then find a way to drop down on this, uh, into this room. Okay. Um, let's, yeah. let's do that. Yeah. I like it a lot. Yes. Maybe there's uh, six inches of water. And then again, just because, you know, we're talking about the snakes, maybe, maybe for flavor and then also for a little bit of danger. It's just like that, that water is filled with a bunch of snakes. <laughs> yeah, I do like, I, I do think otherwise mundane encounters can be shaken up in a good way, sometimes by putting a, a minor nuisance that the PCs just aren't expecting. So, mm -hmm. but, whatever, there's a nest of snakes. Do snakes come in nests? They do. Yeah, I think so. There's yeah. a now pile of snakes. You know, there's snakes yeah. in the corner that they don't see at first, but as soon as they go to the second half of the room, whatever they're trying to do is now complicated because snakes are, you know, snakes are coming, are swimming around. Yeah. Yeah. They've, they've disturbed, disturbed them. We can probably just say like they, if they, uh, if they bite, it would be a bad thing. Right. Like, okay, you know, yeah. they're like, they're that, that sort of snake. Right. So then, so I think you have, you have a danger of getting into the room itself. You have the danger of, of the snakes. I mean, I think the water itself could be, could be somewhat dangerous too. Right? Yeah. Like so, yeah. Our challenge here is the most dangerous room. So, so far, mm -hmm. so I wonder, what if we amped it up? Like, the snakes have deadly venom, so mm -hmm. one bite, no matter how many hit points or whatever you have, is game over yeah. for you. So the challenge okay. is not, can you survive combat with a snake? The snakes, the challenge is, don't let the snakes come near you at all. That's really good, yeah. So maybe, yeah, a bunch of snakes like that, and then instead of water or... I mean, maybe the water level's rising in there. For some reason, right, there's maybe there's a like a storm outside or something like that. So it's some sort of natural water that's flowing through this place, but it's getting it's yeah. getting deeper. That's great. Yeah. Deeper and deeper. Um there's a I'm already picturing the the clock that you would be drawing in Blades of the Dark for this. Yeah. So I mean I guess like if it if it rises too much, right, like maybe you'd be able to try to get back <laughs> back out the way you came. But I think you could find a way to describe that that narrow opening that you're going through in a way that it's like it's pretty clear that you're not going to get back out of that unless you have some sort of ladder although i suppose you know if the pcs figure out a way back up through the way they came i guess good for them but presumably mm -hmm. their goal is on the other side of this room so they're going to have to come Ooh, back yeah. in except now it's flooded with water yeah do we want the goal to be another room beyond this or you know to get across it or is there something inside of this room that they then have to get out I was thinking that their goal was to get out of the room, but that's a little boring. So what if yeah. the what they want is in the room? They have to do it or get it and then get back out. Okay, so like what if it's a some sort of treasure, like and again, like Indiana Jones style like treasure, right? Like some sort of lost <laughs> lost artifact. Yeah. Uh that the like the podium that it's on or 
the chest that it's in is what the snakes have decided to use for their nest. Ooh, yes. Like, so you could have like one, one of the snakes is like, it hangs out there, right? Like maybe the other ones will come attack, but you know, one of them is just like going to be, going to be stuck there or is curled around the artifact in some fashion. I do like the idea of the artifact as sort of the PCs can see that as soon as they touch it or trigger it, it's going to create this cascade of bad things. Mm-hmm. So can the PCs plan in advance so that they're ready when they reach out and grab the thing and it triggers, the snake comes out and the ceiling collapses and the spike in it, whatever, that they yeah. that they have anticipated it. That would be fun, I think. Maybe the room is a little bit of a test of like both your agility as a, as a party, but then also like your, your detection of what, what else is in the room. Yes. So like what you said, like, yeah, like it's super obvious as soon as you look that if you move this thing like it's going to trigger a trap of like the ceiling falling or something exploding. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And there should be, there's evidence of that. I mean, you have to intentionally look around, but when you do, Mm -hmm. you'll find evidence of the sort of thing that's going to happen when you grab the the artifact or whatever. I mean, yeah, I think you can, you can telegraph that too with, yeah, maybe there's some, some bones and skeletons or like, yeah, a a recent other explorer. (laughs) Or there's several, completely flattened adventures uh, on the floor <laughs> you know a cool thing might be like maybe there's a place for three three artifacts up there and like two of them are gone Ooh. like one of them's gone but then one is being held by like a skeleton on the ground <laughs> <laughs> or something like that <laughs> yes yeah and like that's how you can kind of yeah, telegraph a little bit or like there's scorched scorch marks and stuff on the side yeah i mean we're we're veering into like trap territory but i think that's okay yeah that's um, fine Okay, so I liked something that you said earlier about like having having a way out that they have to like yeah dig through or explode or something like that to get through. I like that idea. It's like you could go back the other way, but maybe we have one other exit. Yeah, exit for them as well. Um, maybe it is uh, just because this would scare me. Maybe there's uh, like a hole in the ground yeah. that they could try to swim out of. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that is always a really scary thing in in movies where someone has to swim down and without knowing what how long they have to be under there or where it goes you know yeah (laughs) yeah don't do it i do Um, kind of like i thinking indiana jones i really liked your idea at the end of the room floods over time but uh that flooding also can be a way the pcs get back out of the room and Mm -hmm. i I think of the way that you know in an indiana jones movie uh indy's caught in the pit of, of snakes with the giant statues and you know, all sorts of chaos and shenanigans happen, but those the shenanigans that happen are all the, also the things that Indiana Jones uses to get out of the room. Mm-hmm. Like the, the option yeah. to escape did not exist until he tried to jump on a statue and it fell over and broke through the wall, you know, or something like that. I think that's good. Yeah. So I think this room is, you know, we got to wrap up pretty soon, but I think this room is is fairly survivable. It sounds dangerous again to like a non non party full of wizards with cool spells. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, just setting wise, that's what more we're thinking. Is there any like last little thing, last little detail that you want to add? I don't think so, except that 10 feet by 10 feet is a very small amount of space. And so (laughs) I think if your if your game system allows, I think it would really add to the difficulty if you made that 10 feet feel as small as you possibly could. So yeah. the PCs cannot, they can't walk through each other, you know. So if there's four PCs in there and snakes and an artifact thing, I don't know. I play that, you know, really play that up. You're you're reaching over, you're bumping into each other every time you turn around. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, uh, 
Well, the aircraft <laughs> is gone, but now there's some sort of siren heading down my street. Yeah. So maybe that is uh, maybe that is our cue to wrap up the episode, actually, because I think we both yeah. have some other stuff to get to. So yeah, yeah. All right. Well, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so this was fun. Uh, it would be fun to talk uh, more about this, but uh, at the same time, I'm pretty happy with what we came up with. So yeah, yeah, I think it was good. I think the only other thing that I want to say is uh, make it so the snakes can like somehow jump across the the width of the room because <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna definitely happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I do also like the the image of the water rising and the snakes also rising up with it. Oh, so like you you have them down at your feet, but then as as the water's rising, they're like they're up yeah. at your knees. What is worse chest. than like snakes slithering around on your feet? Snakes like swimming at eye level. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> much much worse. Okay, all right. Well, let's let's wrap it up there. Yep. Um, yeah, thanks, Andy. Yeah, thanks everybody for uh, for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, yeah, and we're going to probably get back a little bit to. Um, somewhat of a more normal schedule pretty soon like we mentioned earlier you know, andy and i've had had some travel and some other stuff going on um but yeah looking forward to the the summer summer winding down at least for me yeah <laughs> so, thanks for uh thanks yeah. for indulging us the last episode or two where yeah. we sort of uh did maybe a little bit more personal rambling than we usually mm-hmm. do so anyway yeah it's been fun yep yep um as always please reach out if you have anything to say to us uh where there's a, a contact page on our on our website where you can get our email addresses um we love hearing from people but um as always i've been chris salzman i've been andy rao and remember if your players are having fun you're a great gm 